The church has never been in a position that we can help a nation like now. Never. Division kills us from the inside. It makes us easy prey for our enemy. Um, I dream that we will unite instead of fight for the hope of a better tomorrow. That we will work with our, I know it's a COVID world, but we will work with our arm over the shoulder of the person next to us. And when we argue, we'll pull closer. We won't separate and shove people in the face, but that we'll come in close until we can find agreement, until we can find a place of love and, a, and, a, and create a world that's better for everyone. I'm not running for any kind of office right now, um, but I, I, I am saying that, I am saying that um, division prevents us from, from thriving. It prevents us from making a difference. And the prince of darkness assumes that this is his winning shot against our nation and against the world. You know, in USA, back in February, we, the biggest threat we had was radical terrorism. We were afraid of somebody coming in and destroying our country. We don't even need that now. We are, we are in a place right now that if we're not careful, we will destroy our own country. We will fight to the death against one another. And I'm, I'm not trying to be a fear monger right now, but I'm saying, and again, I'm preaching to the choir, this is the solution. A church like this is the solution. Somehow, we are finding ways to get closer to one another when the world is getting farther and farther apart. The enemy intends for this season to end with no understanding, no agreement, and no justice. He wants no friendships remaining. He wants no healthy churches remaining. He wants no love remaining. He is now making the love of most grow cold, and that is far worse than the potential of catching the COVID virus. Hate is worse than catching COVID. You can survive COVID, or even if COVID takes you out of this world, you can make it to heaven with COVID, but you can't make it to heaven with hate filling your soul and darkening you and darkening you and darkening you. I read this a while back. Tell me. I don't think you're going to disagree. This is not a stretch. This is not finding a story to fit the situation. This is a revelation. In Argentina a few years ago, uh, researchers found remains of saber-toothed tiger skull. Uh, they found fossils. And they found, uh, they'll put the image up on the screen here, they, uh, they found, um, they found, is it up there? Oh, there it is. They found that the teeth fit right into the skull of some of these saber-toothed tigers perfectly, the teeth of another saber-toothed tiger. And it brought about a theory that the saber-toothed tiger had become extinct from fighting each other. Oh, my God. Even today, big cats often fight over things like territory, food, or potential breeding partners. And it would have been the same with the Pleistocene period. Ironically, something similar happened with Tasmanian devils. Ironically, the name of that animal is a devil. Scientists discovered that cancer began with, in the mouth of a single devil. There's two of them right there, and those they have the cancer on them in that image. And what happens is one devil bites, and they bite at the mouth, which is really wild. And they bite repeatedly at the mouth of other Tasmanian devils biting, biting, biting. And by doing this, they transmit this cancer to the other devils. And the cancer spreads through the bites. 
and over 40% of the Tasmanian devil population has died because of this cancer. And the scripture says, oh, if there's ever been a verse. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. It is popular to bite and to devour, but don't do it. Search for the heart of your brother and sister. He longs for us to find each other. He longs for us to love each other. And I think that this message is very specific to uh, this moment in, in, in Bethel because you guys are talking about thriving and making a difference. And I think there's no greater thriving to be had or happens than when in united Christian community. And I think there's no greater difference to be made than the one I'm going to talk about at the end of my message. People say it doesn't matter where you go to church, but there are some churches that are so blessed that you are blessed just for being there, and that's one of these kind of churches. I'm serious. I don't want to get hocus-pocus on you, but some people go, I, you know, I wanted to give. It was so funny. My wife was watching on uh, opening day, Day of Atonement. She was watching a sermon, and somebody was preaching the sermon, and she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to give an offering to this. This is unbelievable. This is, I need to give an offering. It was a really good teaching. And she got right to the end of it. She said it felt a little like they went over the line. It was a little too gimmicky. So I found another Jewish minister and gave it to him. But she said I had to give because I believed the principle. And, and I don't want to get hocus-pocus on you, but if you, gave, if you gave in the offering this morning, you gave into good ground. And that is a spiritual principle that will never end as long as the earth remains. And it's so, you know, it's great that there are blessings on your life because hopefully you're living right and because of God's unmerited favor, but there is a higher blessing there is a higher level of blessing that rests on a united Christian community. And this degree of communal living leads to being difference makers where it counts the most. So I'm going to make a proposition to you this morning. If you're taking notes, this is where you want to write some notes down. Every child of God should unite for three big reasons. For three big reasons that lead to thriving and making a difference. The first reason we should unite is because unity authenticates worship. The entire system of Christian worship requires unity for the worshipers. Look at these scriptures. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God? whom we cannot see. I wrote in my notes, if you are irritated, offended, jealous, or if you have bad feelings towards a church member, take the time to work through it as quickly as possible before the enemy gets a foothold and ties it all up so tight that it can't be undone. Don't go over the line and separate. I, I've, I've been, I love to seek for unity. You know, and, and, and I'll save this for towards the end, but I think it's important that we have a whole lot of people that don't have all the exact same beliefs. That's how we learn. Jesus is somewhere in the middle of all that, and it's the tension that drives us to it. But hate will is the Satan's weapon to, to keep us from getting to that point. And God... Uh, I don't want a life where everyone agrees with everything in my life. I celebrate people who challenge my beliefs. 
especially politically, because this world is not my home. I only care about politics because it has to do with human beings that I care about. This world means very little to me, except that there are people in it who need to be saved. And I'm called to go back into it. I was called out of it so that I can go back into it. My roots were too deep into the soil of this earth in February, and I've become radical through COVID. I have become radical through this season. Not radical enough, but God has begun to do a great awakening in my life. There was a time when I lived for the next great awakening, and I became lukewarm to some degree. I mean, still serving God every day just like people do. But man, I want to be on the front lines. I want to carry the hottest fire. I want to be a part of the most radical church. I want God's presence. And anything I saw in the Bible, I want it happening right now. I want his glory to descend on this church this morning while I'm preaching. I want his presence to come here and turn this auditorium into a sanctuary and turn our singing into worship because that's what God does when he invades the presence of a church. Amen. Bible says, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar and in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go be reconciled to that person. Then come offer your sacrifice to God. God is brilliant that he made it this way so that we can never get away with worshiping unless we are united with each other. Are you feeling this today? He says, don't lift your hands to me unless you can hug each other, unless you can love each other. And when you love each other, raise your hands to me. Unity authenticates worship. It puts the approval on it, and then God opens the gate, and it comes up before his throne like an aroma. When Christians are fighting and worshiping, that smells bad. Right? God goes, man, some, that's great, but something doesn't smell right about that. It reminds me of that story when Emily and I first got married. We were living in this little hunt cabin, and we had sulfur water, and we had wood stove heat and concrete floors. And, and uh, we invited some friends over for dinner. And I, I get, no, I'm sorry, that was a night. It was just her and I. She said, I'm making you a special dinner. We were married for like four months at that point, maybe three. She was 17. I was 19. So give her a break. Um, I come home for dinner. And I walk, open the door, and I'm like, oh, my God, what does that smell? It smelled like somebody was cooking my socks. And I was like, she's like, honey, I made the best dinner. I'm like, I can't wait. I was terrified. I was like, how am I going to get this down? Right? I was like, God, I need you. If I've ever needed you, I need you now. And, and man, she opens, she opens the oven, and smoke rolls out of it. I said, what is that, by the way? She said, it's a, it's a roast, right? It was a roast, a ham. That's right. She goes, it's a ham. I look in there. She's got little cloves on it. She's got, she's, got, she's got pineapple attached to it. It's got some kind of something in the moat all around it. Oh, my gosh. And it's smoking. And we were going to have a smoking ham. She gets that thing up. She cuts into it. It looks like clay. I said, that's a clay substance. We end up finding out. I said, where'd you get this from? She said, well, Kevin gave it to us from the food bank. We were struggling. I said, this is not ham. <laughs> Turned out it was a, a giant bologna. <laughs> it, was a giant, it was the biggest bologna I've ever seen. 
But we were so poor, we ate it anyway. <laughs> we, were, we were covering our noses and swallowing. Come on, guys, right? But you know, when we, when we try to worship God while we hate each other, God says it smells like baloney. <laughs> oh, come on. He says, I know what you're trying to do, but that smells and looks like clay and smells like socks. Come on, guys, right? <laughs> hey, everyone online. I love you guys. Nice comments. I don't see any hearts right now. I'm starting to feel rejected. So it's really good for a pastor's ego if they see all those hearts. And now I got happy, smiling, laughing ones. Oh, I love church. Um, here's the thing. So we can sing louder, and we can, we can make bigger lyrics, better lyrics, but nothing else happens. We can have better church branding and systems, and we can take in bigger offerings, but nothing more happens. Division antagonizes God's living presence. He cannot exist in the midst of division. That's terrible because it forces us to find each other. And you ready for the turning point of the message? But when unity is achieved, God's presence rushes onto the church. And let me tell you something. I believe that God is desperate to tabernacle with his people. I believe that God is looking for churches right now. You want to have them in marketing, it's all about, you know, it's all about trying to find the, the right niche so that you can get your brand in front of the maximum amount of people. Do you, do you know how available God is right now? Because so many churches are getting it wrong, and then there's one like this, and God goes, it smells so good. I think I'll go to church at Bethel Harvest this morning. God says, I have received your worship. I have accepted your gifts, and your reward is that my presence will begin to rest on this church. That presence is coming. I felt that presence in worship this morning. I had cold chills. It didn't matter who was singing or who was talking, but every second I was feeling God. And God's presence is rising right now. Again, I don't want to get, if you're the kind of person who gets weirded out easy, this is the church of the living God. You did go out of the world, off the parking lot, and into this place. This is a building, but it is a sanctuary because our worship is being authenticated. And as that happens, we're in two realms. This is the intersection of two realms, and we are standing in the presence of God. That's why God said to Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. What? I'm on this mountain that I've been on so many times before. It's just rock and grass or whatever it might be, God said, take off your shoes. This isn't just a mountain anymore. This has become the mountain of God. This is the mountain of God, and you're standing in God's presence. And, and uh, you know, you remember when, when, when Solomon dedicated the temple, right? And it says that there were 120 priests who were playing trumpets, which I thought was pretty cool because there were 120 in one accord in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell on the church, too. But there were 120 priests who were playing trumpets, and it says they were singing together in verse 13 in unison to praise and thanks God and thank God. And it go, you go all the way down, it says, and at that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue the service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord had filled the temple of God. We want his fire 
to fall on the church. We want his presence to come in the church. I'm a decent speaker. I'm okay. I'm not as good as the speakers you guys have here, you know. But, but, uh, but, but, but God doesn't need me to be God. Some of the worst preachers have changed my life the most. Come on, guys. I'm like, God is using that preacher right now. Maybe I should learn something. Maybe I'm operating in the power of me. Do you understand, and you do, the difference between being anointed, being talented versus being anointed, singing versus worshiping? And I do not, this is not an hour to go through the motions. If we're going to get out of bed and risk our lives in the COVID world to come into this sanctuary, you know, then we should at least contact with God Almighty in the church. I'm saying to you, God is saying, I am smelling the earth right now to find places that have a good aroma where I can come and lavish them. God says, I have plenty of attention to give to those kinds of churches, and I will start to show up. That's when revival happens. And everybody goes, well, my God, we have branding just as good as them. we got a church building just as good as them. We preach better sermons. They're watching online. I preach better than that. My God, we should have that going on. My God, our worship team sounds better than that. We should have better work. We, my God, what do, what do they have that we don't? Whoa, that bond of unity that authenticates that atmosphere. And God says, here I go. And God dresses up. He knew it was going to happen. And he comes into the place. You remember the book, Tommy Tenney? Somebody asked me, what's your best books of all time? I'm like, oh, man, one of them, the best one of all time is, uh, is the book from Tommy, from Tommy Tenney where he talks about the God chasers. And he says what happens is you're pursuing after God and you're running. It's like he's playing hide and seek and you're running. He said, and he talks about in the book that point when all of a sudden you're chasing, chasing, and he said, and the pursued, the pursued turns around and becomes a pursuer. And God starts to run towards you. It gives me chills as you're running towards him. And he talks about that time when, when the pulpit split in half and the glory of God came into churches. And that was in the time in the early 19, 1990s. I was like in the early 1900s. It feels like that now, you guys, all you, all you young people in the, well into the 20s, way back in the 19s. And, uh, and, he, and he started talking about, and they started focusing on the presence of God during those days. There are problems that people are facing in this church. I am telling you what I would love to see happen this morning is that God in his omnipotence would come into this room and solve every single problem for every single person, none broken, none sick, healing all who were, who were possessed and who were sick, all who needed a touch from God. And that's what God can do. He wants to show up more than ever before. He just needs it. This is a legal thing, and God needs it to be a certain way. You can't violate the, the immutable laws of the universe and still have his presence. Moses said, if you don't go with us, then, then don't make us leave from here. How will anyone look favorably upon me or your people if you don't go with us? Look at this. For your presence among your people sets me apart from all people of the earth. His presence his presence sets us apart. And when God's presence, which is the greatest blessing to be had, will you agree with me? Right? Come on, man. Right? There's nothing greater than God's presence that you could get today. Nothing greater. I work with lots of million, million, millionaires. And there are some people that I know, if I were to say to them, God's going to take his spirit away from you. 
But if you'll give up your $100 million, you can keep it. And they would, without a second's hesitation, pay $100 million for that presence. Thank God that it's free. But there are principles that we must abide by. Some people would love to be able to just buy it despite actions. We know about how that happened in the book of Acts. And we cannot buy the presence of God, but we can attract it. And God's glory, I am prophesying now. I have always felt this church to be separate, to be a, a, a little bit above, but I'm, I'm not just saying this. This season we're in right now created the biggest challenge, I think, in church history, maybe one of the biggest challenges. And lots of churches have gotten it wrong. And I'm not, not church bashing. But this one has navigated. You talk about John Maxwell talking about the law of navigation. You guys are navigating through the perfect storm, and somehow you are bringing people together, and you are uniting. We, we still haven't created change in the world like we want to, but at least we're together praying about it, together working for it, together believing for it. And if God would show up more and more, what could happen? And I'm saying to you, you guys can all say there have been times where you're trying to pray for somebody to get healing, and it almost feels like it's about to happen. You know, and it's like, there's almost enough power. Let's just pray a little bit harder. But then there have been those times where every single person in the room seems to get healed. There are those times as a prophet where I'm struggling to prophesy to one or two people, but then there are other times that I can prophesy to every single person in the room. That is when God's presence is there. All right, i got to move. The reason, the second reason is a nice progression off the first one. The reason we should unite is that unity authenticates worship. The second reason is that unity attracts the blessing. Attracts. Go like this. You guys didn't do it. Let's do it again. Ready? Bring it in. Grab it. We had this guy. We had this uh, Mennonite guy came to our church years ago. His name was Bob. He said, I've never been in a weird church like this one. He said, I was looking around. Everybody had their hands up. I was here for about a month. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. It was just too weird. He said, one day, he said, this morning during worship, I just lifted my hands right about here. And then I was like, keep going, Bob. I closed my eyes tight, and I started lifting higher. And he said, somewhere right around here, my fingernails started to tingle. <laughs> he said, I got my hands up, went down to my armpits. My arm hairs fell off. It was unbelievable. No, I'm just kidding. I was going bigger. But. Talking about that presence, that thick cloud, that fire. And God says, I validate you with my presence, and with my presence comes everything else. The presence is the greatest thing, but it attracts the blessing. Because with his presence, with the blesser, comes the blessing on your family and your children and their children. The presence of God. Look at this real quick. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. I know you know this verse. It, unity, is like precious oil on the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls from the mountains of Zion. And it's there that God does what? Commands his blessing. You know what's cool about that? Most of the time in my life, I'm begging God to do stuff for me. This is a scenario God says could happen. Where God says, before you can even ask me for it, I'll command the blessing for you. 
Oh, God, please. Oh, God, please. Can you imagine you walk in and God says, take this blessing. I command you to take this blessing. God already knows what you have need of. And God says there's this place. And you know how this works, right? It says it's like the, the beard that Paul, that pours over Aaron, the oil that pours over Aaron's beard, which, by the way, that's a beautiful section of Scripture. And he says, it runs down the beard. I got some great beard oil. It's, I didn't put it on today, so don't come trying to sniff me after service. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's got like a grape smell. It's, it's really got a really nice smell. Every once in a while, I just pull a hair up. I'm like, man, you smell good today. It doesn't smell like socks. It smells like grape. It smells like grape soda or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, grape, bu- grape bubble gum. So here's the thing. So he goes like this. It's running down. He says, it's like the dew from Herman. You know, Pastor, I know you've studied this over the years. That dew from Herman probably taught it. It, it, Where Mount Herman is, the dew is so thick there in those mountains that it actually lands on all the the greenery, and then it runs down into the ground, and it flows down into little ditches and little tributaries, and it gets bigger and bigger. And when it comes down the bottom of the mountain, it's it's like a stream running down the mountain. And God says that when people find unity, achieve or arrive at unity, it's like those drops falling from the air that join together into tributaries and run down into the valley below them. This is the mountain of God. Come on. And God wants to pour a blessing drop by drop into this atmosphere that will form into tributaries and run down through the city that you live in. The church is divided. God's power is throttled back. There's no denying that. Healing and deliverance is throttled back. Provision is throttled back. Church goes through the motions motions with no manifested glory among us, but when unity happens, God pours the oil of his spirit over the church and commands his blessing there. He pours the oil. Imagine what churches will accomplish and uh, with our as our worship is authenticated by God and God commands his blessing again. And what I feel like God is saying over this church right now is that I am commanding my blessing over Bethel Harvest Church. He says, well done, my good and faithful church. I am promoting you. I am bringing my presence into this church. The greatest presence of God's services you've ever had in this church, and some of you can remember back, that time when you felt like you just literally all of time stood still and you were standing, you didn't know if you were in heaven or earth. God says the greatest glory services of this church are in the future, not in the past. There's a time coming when people will line up to get in here because they want to walk into the place where God has commanded his blessing. They want to walk in. There's a time coming when pastors will line up to get in here because they want to walk into the place and see what it feels like. You know when the Brownsville revival happened? I had a revival happening. It was the beginning of my ministry. We had a revival that went for 97 nights in a row in Murfreesboro, North Carolina. They kept saying, will you stay another night, another week, another week? And we stayed. There's a church of like uh, 70 people. We had 150 people get born again during that time. Outgrew the church, put a tent out. We were blowing torpedo heaters in there. It was a glorious time. But during that time, we had hundreds of pastors coming through the doors because they wanted to walk in and just stand in it. And let me tell you, no offense if anyone from Murfreesboro is watching, but the worship was a fraction of what you have here. They were trying hard, but this is developed, man. 
This is worked and worked and worked on a talent and anointing level like nothing I've seen. And, and, and I remember in the middle of that, I was like, the Brownsville Revival was happening, so I booked a ticket. I'll never forget, I paid $1,500 a ticket. I didn't even have money back then, but, I, you know, dumb stuff you do when you're young. I booked $1,500 for each of us, $3,000 and went to Brownsville because I wanted to walk into Brownsville during one of their services. I wanted to stand in their line. I wanted to wait to get through the doors. I wanted to see what it felt like when it hit the foyer. I wanted to go sit in a seat, see what it felt like. I wanted to stand up and worship with Lyndall Cooley and see what that felt like. And I wanted to hear uh, Steve, whatever his name was, that legendary evangelist, preach a sermon. I wanted to be there for the altar call and see what that felt like. Steve, Steve Hill, the late Steve Hill. And let me tell you, when I got there, I was like, oh, man, it was like it was okay. It was okay. And everybody was like, well, you know, it's, we're kind of like, oh. He said, we're kind of like, don't tell anyone. We're kind of like maybe on the other side of it now. I remember in the Hebrides revival, there, was these, there were these old guys that were being interviewed like 20 years after the Hebrides revival. And the interviewer said, so tell me, what did you learn from that revival? He grabs the young man. I've got like an audio recording of this somewhere. He grabs the young man, pulls him in. He goes, son, whatever you do, if you ever get it, the presence of God, never let it go. It comes and goes. But God wants to rest on this church. He wants to bring his blessing so that every single thing you do is so easy, you feel like you're on a vacation. All right. So the third and final reason we want to unite is because unity Unity authenticates worship, it attracts the blessing, and it amplifies Jesus to the world. Talk about making a difference. Here's the deal. There's a lot of differences I wanted to make prior to COVID. The only difference I want to make right now is save the world. I feel like Noah building an ark, and I want to get as many people on it as I can. I'm becoming a fanatic again. I believe there's nothing more important than having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're not born again today, you should seriously consider. If you thought you were and you're sitting here listening to me talk about my passion and you're going, I don't know that I have that kind of passion. I need Jesus in my life. There's nothing you can do greater with your life than to start a relationship with Jesus. Forget about everything you have going on in your life. Leave all of that. Just get this right. It is the first blessing that God came to give us, according to the book of Acts, to, to unite us with Christ. Uniting, uniting amplifies Jesus to the world. Um, the world will never believe in the church as long as we are divided just as much as they are. Right? If the church is no different than the world, there's no contrast and nobody's coming. But the church has an opportunity to create heaven on earth. Come on. The church of Jesus can become an oasis where people come from the world. They don't even know how exhausted they are. They don't even know how angry they are. They don't even know how depressed they are. But they walk through the door, and it's like they're breathing pure oxygen for the first time. They come in here on fumes, thinking that their life is almost over, and they come back to life. And God is going to breathe on hundreds and thousands of people through this church breathing life back into them through his spirit. And, and, and so, you know, 
the world's never going to believe in the church as long as we're divided as much as they are. And when we claim that our God is pure love and has unending grace for everyone, but then we have no mercy, no forgiveness, no understanding, and no grace for each other, just like them, there's no contrast. No one has ever seen God. But if, 1 John 4, 12, we love each other. Why don't you look at somebody right now and say, I love you with the full extent of God's love. Come on, just do it for a couple of seconds. Look around. Look around at each other. You guys have some of the most beautiful human beings in this church. You're beautiful. You're funny looking. Funny. Just kidding. My timing was off. I meant to be looking at Mark when I said that. and It was just like over here somewhere, stargazing, as they call it in the speaking world. Um, and, and, right, stargazing. Um, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. Look at this. Look at this verse. I love the Bible. And his love is brought to full expression in us. I wrote in my notes, from this I believe that one united church is one full expression of Jesus in this world. Every church should put a Jesus in the streets of their city. And when we love one another, it's like Jesus Christ has come to Lexington, Kentucky. Not some faint washed up representation 2,000 years battered and tattered barely surviving representation some image that looks kind of a little bit like Jesus and a little whole lot about a bunch of religion no it's like Jesus crystal clear crisp and clear has walked right into the city and people go I want that we go man I preached the best I could I can't get them to accept because they're not seeing Jesus. But when the presence comes and the blessing comes and unity comes and the world looks and says, you're different from everyone else. You guys love each other. There is a love community happening there right now. I don't know how you do it. You're all over the place. You've got all these different beliefs, but somehow you leave all of that at the door when you walk in and you guys all find a way to do life together. You respect each other. You're kind to one another. Somebody said to me, somebody said to me, Jesus was a progressive. I said, yeah, okay, I can agree with that. But Jesus also said, put away your swords. And, 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 so, and so if the church people can find love for each other, when the world sees that contrast, they will come. We will become a city on a hill in our troubled world again. Are you feeling this today? Man, so am I. Father, send your presence onto this church, and we will become the catalyst of the greatest revival in our lifetime. You know what else COVID has done? It's taken every city. It's ripped down every... Seth Godin talked about in his book, Tribes. He said, we no longer live in a world that's based on geometry, uh, not geometry, based on geography. With the invention of the internet, where we can all reach everyone. You can start a podcast in your basement and talk to the whole world, whoever you want to talk to. And you know what God is showing me right now about the church? 
You can forget about denominations and denominational lines and all the branding and all the stuff and all the noise, but the churches that get good at doing this, the presence of God is going to come and the, and the nation will start watching. The nation will start tuning in. The nation will say, teach us how to have this. Give us a taste of this water. And there's nothing more attractive to the world than when people love each other. Will you look at somebody again, somebody new, and just say, I, I seriously love you in Christ. Come on. Look at somebody and say, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being my church friend. Thank you for being my brother, my sister. Thank you for sharing life with me. I'm closing. This is it. I don't even know what the time I have no idea on time, man. My watch, I think, stopped working. I keep looking at it. I'm like, this is not even the right 15-minute block right now. I'm so confused. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm at like 50 first dates. Hi, I'm Tom. Welcome this morning. So happy you guys are here. I got a good message. <laughs> Those of you who know, you know. But here's the thing. Unity, here's my closing. I even labeled my closing. Unity advances with uniters. Unity advances with uniters. The American church was set up for this. Listen real close. Because we played it so easy and only worship with people who share our cultural and political beliefs. The devil had us so segregated. It was the perfect strategy. We did it for decades. We had black churches and white churches, and we had this kind of church and that kind of church, and we had, we had, we had Republican churches and Democrat churches elevating politics above the presence of God and his kingdom, and the devil was like, I love this. Look at them. They're never going to get along. I'm just going to light something right in the middle, and they're going to turn on each other, and they're going to hate each other, and he exploited this weakness. I hate to say well played. But wow, did we get played. But in this next season, we will worship with people who freak us out. Democrats are going to find a way to love Republicans. Come on, guys. Our churches are going to be full of the most diversity you can ever imagine. Just like this church. Somebody shout, I'm diverse. I'm unified. Yes, I mean... That's what God wants to do. And I would just say to you this. Don't wait for unity to trend before you bandwagon. Don't wait for someone to say the right thing before you show love. Don't wait for full agreement before you hug. Sometimes you just got to go, man, you just made me mad with that. I saw your social post and I disagree. And you just made me mad, but you're my brother. I am so mad at you right now, but I love you. I don't know how we're going to get through this, but I will not break up with you. Come on, guys. Right? Like, we need to get counseling, but we're not going to quit yet. And that's what God wants to see. Somebody goes, nope, I'm just going to cut all those people off. Cancel culture is dangerous because we're never going to find what we really need to find. All we're going to do is fight. We have to get together and pray. And seek his face. No, I got the answer. I got the one answer. I got the one answer. No, you don't. There's no way you have the one answer. You don't have the one answer. Nobody has the one answer. We need God. And I think, I think that God's ready to touch this country. I think, I think you go, well, the, the president can't do it. The next president can't do it. The House can't do it. The Senate can't. You're right. Nobody, who can? 
Do you know who can? Jesus can. People can call me a fanatic and call me a weirdo. All oh, this church people thinking the church has the answer. L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L. But I'm saying, Jesus moves suddenly. I know I've heard you preach that. He moves suddenly. Just like a storm goes out just so quick and the best surf waves show up, God can move a storm out, and next thing you know, you go, how did he sort that out? But he can. He can heal broken. You're in here today and you got broken relationships. God can heal it. Hopefully while I'm preaching, you're thinking, man, I just ended it with a friend. I'm going to somehow find a way to get back together. Call him up and say, let's go out again. <laughs> let's try again. So he's like, nope, you didn't get me that far. But here's the thing. Spend time looking for similarities instead of differences. We have far more similarities and differences. Far more. It's far more that unites us than divides us. God's love doesn't wait. It's a love that steps out first. You want a verse? We love because he first loved us. Real love takes radical, self-sacrificing first steps. It denies self and the need for an immediate win, and it extends the offer of reconciliation. Don't just close your eyes and wish for unity, and then they make you mad again, and you go, well, I tried, but it didn't work out. Love and respect, and keep doing it until the Spirit of God creates a unity that authenticates worship, attracts the blessing, and amplifies our great hope, Jesus, throughout all the world.